We're going to be speaking this morning on walking with God. Now, there will be a few things that will be said this morning, and it will cause you to question yourself. It will cause, cause you to question some things that you might think is maybe acceptable or, or not acceptable, all these things. But rest assured, everything will be said with the utmost grace. And, but this is an opportunity for us as the people of God to not just have a title, Walking with God, but to check that our life is in line with the title that indeed we are walking um, with God. So if you've got your Bible with you, turn to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 5, um, verses 21. Just really one verse this morning. We're going to read a few just to, to fill it up. But um, we're going to be looking at Enoch in, in part um, this morning. So Genesis chapter 5, and I'm going to just pray as we're opening the Scripture. So Father, we thank you, God, to be found in the house of God this morning. Lord, what a joy it is, Lord, to be in a house where there's, where there's a fire, where the place is alive with your people who are praising the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, we thank, Lord God, of the many desolate places in the world. But Lord, we thank you that your church is not desolate, but it's alive. God, it's an oasis for the weary soul. And Lord God, it's here that, Lord God, we get quickened. Father, it's here that we get strengthened. Lord, it's here that, Lord, we, Lord, we set our lives our, in light of your word. Lord, your word is a lamp, Lord, onto our feet and a light onto our path. And Lord, may that be the case today, Father, as we, Lord, consider your word, that, Lord, that it would indeed be a light for our life. Lord, that we would find that, Lord God, if we are on a strange path this morning, that, Lord, we would, through the light of your word, Father, get back onto that right path, that path that leads to glory. Lord, we thank you for the work of the Spirit, and Lord, how it quickens and, and touches and refreshes and heals Lord, our brokenness, God. And Lord, may that be evident among us this morning. Father, as your people, that we would each, Lord, in our own different place this morning, where the walk in which we find ourselves in personally, that, Lord God, we would sense a touch from God. Lord, that you would heal. That, Lord, you would quicken. That, Lord, Lord, that joy, that oil would pour over our hearts and our souls and our minds. That, Lord, freedom and joy would be our portion this morning. Lord, perhaps for some Lord, a new song needs to be placed upon their heart. Lord, the melodies become low. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name this morning that there will be a praise, a, a song of praise, and, and uh, Lord, upon each of our hearts this morning as we just, Lord, gather around your word. Lord, we pray against, Lord, anything that would seek to distract us, Lord, that our minds would be fixed and focused upon you, we asked in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. So Genesis chapter 5, starting in verse 21, just want to read a few verses to us this morning. Verse 21, when Enoch, Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered, he fathered Methuselah. Now Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enoch's life were 365 years. Now Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. That means when he died, he didn't die physically. He, he was raised up. God just took him. He never had experienced the grave. When Enoch walked with God, when he was not, for God took him. Amen. So we're going to consider today what it is to walk with God. I often say that I am a man who walks with God, and I guess many of us do. We, we take it for granted that we're walking with God, and there's many voices and different things that influence us in, in ways that we don't even realize. For instance, Julie called out, let us sing, stand up. 
or I stand amazed, and I stood up thinking it was called a stand. You see, we can be influenced in ways that we perhaps don't even realize, and our lives can be a wee bit lost at times. But here's the most important thing. I'm going to start with the way I'm going to end. We're going to end to make sure that we're walking with God. <clears throat> and there'll be other things throughout this that sometimes when we're in our Christian life, we fail or we fall or we find ourselves in different places. But the most important thing that we're going to begin with and end with is that we find ourselves today walking with God. Amen? So we're going to consider what it is to walk with God, to hold fast to Him. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, the Scriptures present to us three types of walking with God, at least three that I found. I'm sure there's more, but there's three types of walking that I have found. And here they are, walk before God, to walk after God, and to walk with God. Three different ways to walk with God as a believer. Now, walking before God, what does this mean? Well, walking before God describes a life that is lived well in the most simplest interpretation. It's, it's living with the knowledge, if you like, that the all-seeing eye of God is upon us. That's a good way of considering it. Not in a, in a bad way, but in, in an understanding way that, that as the people of God, we know that the eye of the Lord is with us and upon us. Now, in Genesis 17 and verse 1, listen to what it says. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and he said to him, I am Almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. You see? So that's where we get that walk before me and be blameless. Now, straight away we need to say the church is empowered by the Holy Spirit to live well, to walk before God and be blameless. It's not a gospel of works. We've been empowered and we need to use that power to walk and live well for God because He's allowed us. You know that in your life. We've got conviction. We've got, our eyes can see things that once we perhaps didn't see as clearly. We have got an empowerment. To, to, to be blameless is to live well in the sight of God, but it's also to live well in the sight of our, of our men around us, the people around us. And that leads us to a question. And this is a question, as always, I will ask myself as I asked you. It's never pointing, it's, it's probing. How is your name in the business world, for instance? Is it respected? How is your name in your place of employment? Are you a person who's trusted a person who's a valued member of staff, or are you a hindrance? There's them type of employees too, you know. What is, or how is our reputation is, is what I'm looking at with this. What does our, luf, our life look like to the world that's looking in on us? And this is not to condemn us, it's to probe us, it's to, to, to help us examine our lives. Is our, is our lives questionable? Or does it stand out as one who's been set free from bondage and living for God? Is it a life that is of good report? Because that's what the gospel does. It takes men and, and women who are rascals, and it turns them into good people, if you like. It changes them. They're new creation. And that's what it means to be, in part at least, to walk before God. And what I considered with this was when, when, the, when the Lord Jesus Christ walked in this culture of this world, it didn't influence him. In fact, his life was so set apart in his living that it challenged the culture around him. That's what a, a life lived for God can do. It can challenge us. I'm sure we all have experienced a, a Christian, Christians who are, you just know by their living or, or how they act that it challenges us a bit. 
that's good. That's where Aaron sharpens, sharpens Aaron. It's our, our men's group title, where we sharpen each other in our living and our words. But Christ challenged the culture around him, yes, by his preaching, but more so by his living. Now, Abram lived for God, and his faith, you see, was evidenced in how he walked. Now, D.L. Moody said this, if I walk with the Lord, I can't walk with God. It's black and white for Moody. And maybe for some of you today, perhaps you need to come away from the world a bit and start today to walk again with the Lord as you once did. That means that we need to surrender our life. Perhaps you do today. You need to surrender your life fully again onto the Lord. To let go of doing things your way, my way, and allow the Lord full reign, to allow Him to guide us again, to allow His conviction, His prompting to guide our feet. Let Him to direct you and to lead you. To, to, to surrender your life to the Lord is to divorce yourself, if you like, from the world, a complete and utter legal separation, and to start again today to walk with the Lord. You know, it's amazing, as I consider this, the many temptations that come the way of those who seek to walk before God. Would I be safe in saying that around every corner there's an opportunity for us to lie? There's an opportunity for us to steal, to cheat, to hurt someone. There's an opportunity for you and I to wrong people. That, that happens every day in our lives. There's opportunities that we can do wrong. And the Apostle Paul says in 1 Thessalonians, he says, speaking to the church, he says, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong. Now, come on, Paul. If you only knew what that man did to me, make sure nobody in the house of faith pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. It's radical walking after God. To repay wrong for wrong, in my eyes, is justice, you see. If you wrong me, I'm entitled to wrong you, and I know not all of you, but some of you would think like that. It doesn't mean we act like that, but we naturally think like that. And if you don't think like that, you haven't been wronged right. Because when somebody wrongs you, it's very difficult to, to leave it with the Lord and hand it over. But the church must not repay wrong for wrong. Why? Because the Lord told us not to. And that's what it is to walk after the Lord. But Lord, but, but nothing. If you want to walk after me and follow me, this is what it means. The church must not repay wrong for wrong. We must walk according to what the Bible teaches. And in Romans 12, then, it deals with the topic. It says, brethren, never take your own revenge, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written within the Scriptures that vengeance is mine, and I will repay, says the Lord. You see, the minute we become the avenger, we become the judge. And the minute we become the judge, we've lost. Because who are we? The judge. And maybe some of you are unable to walk fully with the Lord today because there's a desire within you for revenge against somebody. Is that you this morning? That somebody in your life has so wronged you that you've got this desire for revenge and it's hindering you from going on and being free in the things of God. That could be a reality for some here this morning. There's this desire for revenge, and it's eating you up. And I just want to say, quite simply, hand it over to the Lord 
and let him be the avenger of your wrong. Learn from Abram. He walked before God, the Bible tells us, and he trusted God to deal with these things. He lived in such a way that none could accuse him. Yes, he made mistakes, but he, he walked with God and he handed over his worldly desires. Times he, he went into Egypt. You remember we looked at that, but he very quickly came back where he left off. You see? It's not that we don't make mistakes. It's not that we don't avenge ourselves at times. It's, it's that we put them things right and we, we bring it back and we hand it back with God and we acknowledge. He, he left the worldly way of thinking and acting behind. He walked before God. Now, the psalmist, if you're taking notes, Psalm 15, the psalmist takes us deeper into what it is to walk before God and be blameless. I just want to say to you, this is the, the first wee point here is the longest one, okay? Psalm 15, because this is what it is to be blameless and walk before God, because we make Christianity difficult, at least I do. I want to walk with God, it's nearly like walking in water, but the Lord says, no, it's the simple things. It's the things that the world aren't doing that you ought to be doing that that, that sets somebody who's apart from me, who's walking for me, living for me. In Psalm 15, it says, those who lead blameless lives do what is right. <clears throat> you don't need to go to the college to apply this to your life. There are those who speak truth from a sincere heart, not to cut you down. <clears throat> those who refuse to gossip and harm their neighbor, and those who would not speak evil of their friend. You see, according to this Psalm, Abram did what was right before God, he spoke truth with gentleness. He didn't gossip and slander when he had the opportunity. He didn't harm his neighbors, and he abstained from speaking evil against a friend. And we'll leave it there, but that's what it looks like to walk before God. Um, live well and, and do what is right. It's simple in one level, but in another level, it's profound. Live well and do what's right. Then there's a walking after God. That's the next point. There's a walking after God. And I thought this picture was appropriate because if you're not sure what it is to walk after God, that picture will help you get an understanding. It's a wee bit more difficult than you think. It's a wee bit more costly than you want to believe. And this one is a very tricky one to explain. Hence, I haven't given myself a big pile of time on it. To walk after God <coughs> is to hold fast to truth. Now, that's the thing. To walk after God is to hold fast to truth. In Deuteronomy 13.4, we read about this. Let me read it to you, because it's only one verse. <coughs> Excuse me, this morning. You shall walk after the Lord. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear Him. Notice the first bit. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear Him and keep His commandments and obey His voice, and you shall serve Him and hold fast to Him. That explains the whole, what I'm trying to say about walking after God. A man or woman who walks after the Lord clings to what God says, not what man says. There's a, there's a difference. There's what it is to cling and to walk after God. You know somebody when they walk after God, but when you try to talk to them, you know there's no, there's no change in their stance. They'll treat you well, and they'll speak to you well, and they'll help you well, but you try to contradict the Word, or you try to take something out of context, they'll quite quickly tell you you're wrong. The Bible says this. That's somebody who holds fast and walks after God. It's a person that fears Him. It speaks of reverence for God. They understand who He is. He's not some, some sugar daddy. He's, he's a creator God. One word from Him and things happen. A person who walks after God is one who's obedient and follows that prompting of the Lord. 
A person who walks after God, they're, they're actively in service according to that last scripture, and they hold fast to Him. Now, what does holding fast mean? Well, holding fast involves this church, not compromising the teaching of the Word, whether it's right or wrong in the eyes of God. That's profound, isn't it? To hold fast to what, the, what it is to be a man or woman of God, it means you're not a man or woman who compromises. Now, with a gentle heart, you correct. With respect and an understanding where God found you when He saved you, you, you stand firm. But you always stand and hold fast to the truth regardless of the crowd. There's a challenge for the church today, for us today. Not compromising means in our relationships, in our behaviors, in our convictions. What we know is, is wrong, you see. Isn't it challenging? Holding fast to the Lord means letting go of anything that might pull us away from walking after the Lord. Now, there's many teachings today claiming that sin is acceptable before God. It's not. It's not acceptable in our house. We're only a wee kingdom. If our kids do wrong, they do wrong, and there's consequences, isn't there? It's not acceptable. We don't kill them. We don't cut them down, but we don't just say, that's fine. Away you go. Keep at it. And the Lord doesn't either. It means letting go, church. Maybe you're not saved this morning. Maybe there's things in your life you need to understand you need to let go of and trust God with. He's the one that can fix your life and heal your life. We cannot do it. Man does a bad job. But there's many teachings today that, that, that claim that sin is fine. And what I see for one great example, and this is where I want to push it home, I'm going to just mention it briefly and move on, because I have no desire to get into the argument about it, but I see clearly what the Scriptures teaches on it, and I think we need to be reminded. For instance, today, perversion, perversion in all forms has become more and more acceptable, and I have found my own heart becoming more and more susceptible to it, and just not, no longer does it even cause an anxious thought in me. We need to acknowledge these truths now, the reason I'm saying this is because there's a new gospel, and this is where you need to decide, are you walking after God, or are you walking after something else that you think is God? Because there's many groups that are claiming to represent Christ, and they're embracing and preaching a new gospel. Now, at the, at the foot of this gospel is this, that God is not really concerned about sin in your life. He's not concerned about your sin. And He accepts you just as you are. And therefore, repentance and a turning away from a life of sin is not necessary. That's, in essence, what this Bible gospel or anti-gospel, or this anti-Bible gospel is today. That's just it in a nutshell, you see. And it's wrong, you see. Because when a child wrongs and, and apologizes, when an adult wrongs us and apologizes, there's an automatic natural healing in that. And repentance brings healing between you and God. It's not acceptable to say, look, this is who I am. This is how I act, and this is the way I'm born. So look, God accepts me, so you must accept me. It's not acceptable in the eyes of God, and that's where it really matters. I'm going to give three examples of this today. Very quickly now, and there's notes for this if you want to take references. So it's transgenderism, for instance, okay? Same-sex marriage and abortion are probably three of the big topics today. Would that be fair enough? That it's fine. It's fine. That's what they're saying. And part of me doesn't care less. Live where you want to live, if you're going to do it anyway, but I'll just remain and live for the Lord. So, but I'm speaking to God's people this morning, and it's my responsibility to give you an understanding that at least 
You get to make your own decision. Are you going to walk after the world and its teachings or walk after God? Now, everything is said to be acceptable. And there's many claiming to represent Christ that are saying so. Now, the question that you and I must answer regarding this is, do we think that all things is acceptable according to the Scriptures? Or is it a coming away of biblical teaching on issues like this? Now, whatever you decide on this, church, is important because this is what you're going to hold fast to. You see the difference? What are you holding fast to is what you believe. Whatever you decide on this topic is what you're holding fast to. And many have succumbed, and many more will succumb to the, the pressure to compromise on moral issues because the Bible's out of date, according to many people. So it's not relevant in the 21st century. Well, I thank God for the faithful men and women that told me truth about myself. As I stand here today free, clothed, and a sound mind because of that, because I lived a debased life, and I thought it was normal. So don't be afraid to hold fast. Don't be afraid to tell people when things aren't right, because it's actually telling them that their life can be changed and there is a better life for them. Now, when pushed in these things, you will either hold fast or you will compromise. So a scripture to hold fast to for you on transgenderism, it's Deuteronomy 22.5. I say, I'm just dropping these and we're moving on very quickly. I have no desire that today to get in on it. This is walking with God and what it means to do so. Deuteronomy 22 and 5 says this, A woman shall not wear a man's garments, nor shall a man put on woman's garments. Whoever does these things is abomination to the Lord. So there's quite simply put, transgenderism is not acceptable in go to God. Same-sex relationships. There's a few verses for notes. Leviticus 18.22 you shall not lie with a male as with a woman, for it's an abomination before the Lord. Into the New Testament, Jude 1 and verse 7, just as Sodom and Gomorrah indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desires with one another, they serve as an example by undergoing punishment of eternal fire. So that's Jude 1 verse 7. Romans chapter 1, 26. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that were contrary to nature. And the man, likewise, gave up natural relations with woman, and they were consumed with passion one for another, men committing shameless acts uh, with men. So you get an idea there. Mark 10, but from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So there's an idea without getting into preaching on the topic. There's enough verses there to help you that, that same-sex also is not ordained, or it's not how God created things to be. There's a, there's a counterfeit deception that seeks to destroy your life. Now, lastly, abortion. Abortion. Exodus, tw Exodus 20, verse 13 is one of the commandments. You shall not murder, quite simply put. But in Proverbs 16 and 16, we read a, a wee snippet of Scripture, and it says, Seven things, or six things that the Lord hates. He goes on to mention sevens. But in that we see that the hands that shed innocent blood are abomination to the Lord. So we get an idea there. Abortion is not acceptable to God. But it must be said that all sin, all sin, lying and stealing and cheating and all these other things that we spoke about are all forgivable. God doesn't hold them against people. That's what the gospel is, good news. Listen, come. Acknowledge your sin and I will cleanse you and change your life and give you life. That's the gospel. But these are things that the world is saying, listen, there's a new gospel. 
Just live like this. It's fine. It's fine. You see, and that, that's where we need to understand that, that these things can be forgiven, but they're certainly not accepted by God. So to walk after God is to hold fast to the truth of Scripture. Do you see that this morning? That's what it is to hold fast. And we, 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 we are feeling the pressure today to let go a bit. Cup yourself on, man. That's old school. And, and, and there's this desire to let go. And that's what you need to decide. We're going to hold fast. Not as judgmental people, but as people who have a story to tell and a testimony to, get, to share of how God set us free in this, that these things aren't right. But to walk after God is to hold fast, to resist compromise, to hold fast to truth. Now, there's a war for the throne of your heart. There's a real battle going on within you today for allegiance. And every day each of you will find a battle for truth. And the man or woman who's obedient to God, the Christ in the Word, is a man who walks after God and, and holds on, clings on. So there's a walking before God. There's a walking after God. Then lastly, there's a walking with God. And this simply means staying in them old paths that leads to glory. Now, Genesis 5, verse 24, it brings us to a man called Enoch. And we're just simply told this about Enoch. Enoch walked with God, and he was not because God took him. Because God took him. Now, there's only two men in Scripture that walked so closely with the Lord that they, that they never experienced physical death. Elijah and Enoch. Now, these two men walked before God in their living they walk before God and holding fast to truth, and they walk before God daily. What's that mean, church? They weren't backslidden. They weren't backslidden. Now, we're not told much about Enoch, but what we are told is very telling. We're told that Enoch walked with God. Why are we only told that? Because it's all what matters. It's all that matters. Enoch walked with God. Now, Enoch's taken up to glory is a foretelling of the church being raptured. The first rapture involved Enoch. The second involved Elijah. These two men were both taken up by God into glory. And Paul calls it caught up to be with the Lord, you see. The word rapture comes from the Latin translation of the phrase caught up. So caught up in Latin means rapture. That's what rapture means, where it comes from. Now, the Bible teaches there's going to be a third and final rapture coming to all who are found walking with the Lord, because that's what all that matters. It's not the mistakes that we've made, the strange places that we've ended up in. It's, if, are we walking with the Lord today? That's the important bit. And Paul says, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all die, but we will all be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye when the last trumpet is blown. Now, the last trumpet is a calling home of God's people before we know the tribulation period where Antichrist rises and rules the earth. Now, each person is to be prepared for this advent, event in time. But the Bible says that like Enoch, only those who are found walking with God will partake. The rest will be left behind according to Scriptures. Now, it says this, For the Lord himself, in 1 Thessalonians 4, will come down from heaven with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and who are left will be suddenly caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord. So we'll be with the Lord forever. So the rapture of the church will be suddenly. That's why walking with God now is important. It's important. Enoch walked faithfully with God, and at their set time, he was taken. 
Elijah walked with the Lord at the set time he was taken. Abram walked with God when he suddenly died and buried. And when Christ rose from the dead in the Old Testament saints, he was taken up to glory. Cannot be said about you and I this morning when, when death comes suddenly that we're taken, taken up. That's the important part this morning. I want to just ask this morning as we come to a close, if Christ were to come suddenly into your life, if death was to come knocking, are you walking? Are you in fellowship with God today? Because this is important, Christian. It's important if you're not saved as well. It's important to all of us. Are we walking today? Are we in fellowship today with the Lord? Are you saved? If you're not, all you need to do is acknowledge your sin and be saved. I want to give an opportunity for you to come to faith today if you're not saved. I also want to give an opportunity for us as a church to make sure that we're walking right in the eyes of God. Amen? Church, I'm going to ask the team to come perhaps maybe just create a bit of an altar for us. And I think this is so important because we could talk on and we could get a bit sleepy and lost and miss the relevance of this, what we're trying to say this morning. Because we've looked at a few topics, a few things that, that could... Perhaps some of you find, you know something, I've compromised on these things, or I find myself thinking that these things are right. That, that, them things is all right, because the Lord corrects us. But what is really important today is what we're told about Enoch. We're not told anything else, but Enoch walked with God, you see. So when I considered this word and, and, and thought the many wrestles and struggles that, that we all have and I have, and the most important question that I could come to was this. What matters now, Neil, is not how you thought last year, not what you have allowed to compromise into your life, but what's important now is that you see these things for what they are and that you get yourself to the place where you're walking truly and holding fast to the things of God. That's all that matters, that now we're walking with God. We're walking with Him. See, we can walk before Him. That's our living. Listen, thank God for the blood. Thank God for the table. It reminds us, you know something, we're sinners. <clears throat> and we don't sin. We're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. We, we can't help but sin <clears throat> in our thinking and our, in our, in our acting at times. And Walking before God is a topic that's lifelong. Walking after Him is, listen, it's simple. It's holding firm to what He says. That's the Word of God. There's no compromise. But we sometimes can be deceived. Our, our hearts can, can override the teachings of the Word. But look, don't they look lovely? And you know, I've seen how it's been portrayed today like you do. We're being sold a narrative that, that actually the husband and wife is like just out of date now. It's like it's just boring. Who cares about the family unit where there's love, security, protection and, and, and governance and, and education and moral values where they're all, who cares about that anymore? And that's what I see. And it's portrayed as great. I seen a, a, a clip of a video of a man the other day and he was speaking to a Middle East man and he asked him how many wives he had and he says, I've won. And he took that, such a fit of laughing that he nearly choked. It turns out he had 51 wives and he couldn't believe this man only had one. God bless him. Any wonder he's laughing. He probably lost his mind. But 51 wives and his mindset, you're so out of date, man. You're so wrong. What's your mindset? You see, I haven't got all this right, but the word is a lamp onto your feet and it is a light onto your path. 
And the minute you stop holding fast to that is the minute the light moves and you start walking in strange places. And I know for some of you, you're there this morning. You're in strange places. You're in a strange land, but you love God. You're saved and you're walking often, but the enemy's got in. And this is what the Lord does. He shines the light under our lights, or under our hearts. And he says, listen, child, you've been deceived, but come home, come back. And that's where we're at this morning. And 1 John, I used it before, and I want to use it again because it's profound for this morning. And it says, in 1 John 2 and 28, little children, that's God speaking, abide in him. But when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Think of that word, abide in him. Abide in him. Abide in him. What does it mean to abide in him? It means walk before him. Live right. It means walk after him. Hold fast to what the word says. Well, the wee prophet in the corner of your room is good. And he's repetitive. And there's wee messages popping in your head and you realize and all of a sudden we, we, we see ourselves being dulled down. But I'm trusting the word of God is a lot more powerful than the wee prophet in the corner of the room called Sky or, or Media. It's, it's the Word of God. It's living and it's powerful and it's active and it sets men free and it instructs us and, and teaches us. We walk with God because that's all that matters. Oh, we can get our theology wrong and many of us have. It's not the first thing I've had to take back. But make sure that you're, you're walking with God today, that you're not lying backslidden and dry in your spirit. Think of the rapture. Think of that twinkling of an eye and the coming of the Lord and that calling up and all our, our heartaches gone and all them bills on the table. It doesn't matter. Thank the Lord we're gone, we're up. Well, let somebody else worry about them. We're with the Lord. Think of these things because the Bible tells us they're true. And maybe this morning you're lying here and you're backslidden. Well, God doesn't want you to lie there. Do you want to lie there? I know I don't want to be the place of barrenness. Walk with Christ daily. That's what it is to walk with God. Are we walking with God now? Not five years ago. Not ten years ago. Do you know, whether I should say this or not, I don't know, but I mean no harm by it. But the amount of people that I have met, and I've known by talking to them, I would say, you're from the white well. There was a revival there. And there's still people walking about who got saved onto that revival, but they're, for some reason, they're in, they're in strange places. Not all now. I'm just talking, I've met a lot. These men once walked with God. You see, they once, they once held fast to the teaching, renounced their lives, and all of a sudden, well, all of a sudden, they're just there, and they're not happy, and they're dry, and they're, they're broken. That's not what it is to walk with God. Amen, church. It's not what it is to walk with God. There's a coldness that can set in and quench us and it can cause us to walk in strange places. I want to give you an opportunity this morning to acknowledge that in your life and say, Lord, I want to walk with you today. I want to hold fast again to what you tell me to do today. I repent of, of, of my compromise because we've all done it. And I want to give my life to you. I want to live in a way that's fitting for a man and woman of God. Amen. Let us just close our eyes in a word of prayer just as we prepare our hearts. Maybe stand with me this morning as we open our hearts.